I knew this question was going to come up because I also, I think, like some of your guests have done done my research. First thing I can remember, well, I was thinking about multiple memories. Yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna snap off one or two. Yeah. I think really quick. Well, firstly, I should I should preface by saying I have the worst memory in the world, <laughs> um, which is that a, makes it even better. You're like, well, I remember being 25. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year, <laughs> um, yeah, I had a great um, croissant from Napoleon. No. Uh, uh, yeah, m- different memories, but a terrible memory, which I think is a good thing because then I never have to lie. I remember my mother mm. telling me that because of a terrible memory. It means I'll never lie because I can't remember so if good. I'd lie. Uh, I think a couple of memories. One that I thought of was I grew up uh, I grew up until I was about seven or eight in the Holy Lands in Lower Ormo. Unbelievable. And uh, you're a proper city boy. And, yeah, in, Jer- in Jerusalem wow. Street. So we, we grew up there. It was, it was amazing. We grew up there. So I was about seven or eight. And then we moved to Stranmalis. I mean, it was uh, it was big, big step. <laughs> big culture change. Ten minutes away in yeah, Belfast, but really glad to have had that experience. And I I really loved living in uh, as a kid, just cycling the bike around. But a couple of memories kind of around that time. Sort of that's primarily. It's probably six, seven, eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I I remember British soldiers like uh, yeah, yeah, patrolling the streets and. Oh, I, have this, I have this absolute distinct memory of looking down a rifle and just going, all right, mate, give us a look at your rifle there. Like, Crazy. So I, it, it's funny, like it's, and it's etched in the brain as like a positive memory. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, that was that really was super fun. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is, it tells you a lot about kids, doesn't it? It tells you a lot about kids. And also, you know, also at least in that moment, there was just, uh, I mean, there was humanity. It was just yeah. this guy who was probably young, some young English fella who was over and was having the crack and I have a look, sure, a bit yeah, of crack yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and so on. But the other the other memory that I that I was thinking about in anticipation of this question <laughs> was, I think I was also probably about eight or nine, maybe a little bit older. I actually had really low confidence and self esteem growing up. I had, I had really struggled, and so my my mum put me into youth lyric. Heard of Youth Lyric before? Just down the road from you? Yeah, so like the Lyric, Lyric Theatre is where it was at, but Youth Lyric was basically, you know, it was like drama and acting for, for young people. So, we, so we'd go and or I'd go and try and kind of come out of the shell, build some confidence. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I remember at one point I got cast in uh, A Midsummer's Night's Dream or whatever <laughs> it was called in the Lyric, but it was the old Lyric. I mean, before the new one was mm. there. I don't know if you remember that, but um, I remember it. The reason I remember it is I was... Te- petrified. I remember the cast being really good, and I played the small Indian boy, of course. Of course, and, and we, <laughs> natural fit, absolutely um, <laughs> well cast. And so I, uh, I basically walked out. You know, and all, all I had to do was walk out, walk in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did maybe, I did several nights. I think there was me and some other young person. But I remember being really proud. That I was being asked first of all. But the memory I have is is after going to the bar, mm. and then getting and and my mom said, "You can have anything you want." And I got a pint of Coca Cola, and I loved it. <laughs> pint of the black stuff. Pint of the black stuff. That's exactly the, the, the other black stuff. And I remember that being a really, um, a really great experience for lots of reasons. I think just, you know, doing something that was a bit scary. Yeah. Um, being on stage, being like, oh, this is mad. So cool. And then, and then obviously having a reward. And I think that that's good parenting. It is good parenting. <laughs> yeah, very good parenting. Good behavioural economics, absolutely. Even, behavioural psychology for us today too. Yeah. So you grew up in the Holy Lands. That's unbelievable. I didn't know that. 
So well, tell that was eight now. Yeah, but just you know, you're right there by the river, like Jerusalem Street. It leads yep. right there onto the river. I used to mm-hmm. delivery run there all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would you have played football on the streets growing up? Yeah, it's interesting because we, we we talk a lot about basketball. We're going to yeah. play tonight, but. Uh, my original love was for football was it? back in the day. Because I'm just thinking in my head, like in the map of the city, I'm like, there is a like surprising lack of basketball courts in that part of the city. Yeah. Yeah, but I think like any any kid growing up, you're mostly getting football. I yeah, went to Botanic are. Primary School. Then, then Did Stra- you go right there? Yeah. That's unbelievable. Then I went to Stradmillis. What um, walk to school, like through the park and all? Like. Uh, not e- not e- sure. That's it was right. two minutes yeah, through, yeah, yeah. through the streets. Easy, easy, easy out. And, uh, you know, I love football. And then I think I realized pretty quick or pretty quickly that I wasn't going to be very good at football. I was terrible. I was terrible. Couldn't couldn't do things. What was your weakness if you're looking back? You know, if you were to coach couldn't, yourself, couldn't do anything. <laughs> Where do you want to start? I, 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 for some reason, just just foot. I don't know if it's hand eye coordination. Is it foot eye? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just couldn't do it, and, and I just wasn't very good. And, I, and it was, and then it, when I moved to Stramolis Primary School, it was even more obvious that it wasn't for me. And I remember in Stramolis. Um, primary school then they had uh, a couple of basketball nets and I just started shooting and I was like actually I'm enjoying this I'm enjoying shooting the basketball mm. more than kicking the football yeah so, and what is that is is it because you have more of an element of control over it at that at a earlier level because obviously Messi like you know if you put like a coke can up on that whiteboard he could he could smash it yeah. but I feel like to develop that level of accuracy with your feet is just ridiculous so what was it about shooting specifically that you were like I like this or was it just the sound of the net or the chain I, th- I think it was I think it was like quite peaceful in the sense that mm. and you know this well because you've you've picked up basketball and you, you love it and you can shoot and just, it's very relaxing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of methodical and, you know, you're aiming for something mm-hmm. and you can shoot away and, yeah, the sound is great and you can get better and you can measure it. You can mm-hmm. start close and you can move back. And I just remember going, oh, I'm really, really enjoying this. Mm-hmm. And if I'm honest, I know from an early age, I, I liked American culture. Mm-hmm. You know, we grew up watching American shows, Fresh yeah. Prince of Bel-Air, <laughs> um, Hang Time, which is going back a long time, you know. And I remember going, this is cool. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And um, where, like, how did you push that forward then were there any opportunities for you to play basketball yeah well it, it's fun again so going through primary school and then having the chance to you know when you when you go to the big school Matthew when you go to the big school so you, you, you leave Stramos and then you go off now most folks in Stramos primary are going off to Methody or Inst or Victoria yeah and I I ended up going to Lagan College and I remember going to Lagan's Open Day versus Methody and Inst and so on and kind of looking at uh, looking at the basketball court down <laughs> in the playground going this is cool and, <laughs> and uh, I just I was like there was there was two big basketball courts and nice. I thought that would be great that would suit me and and then it's just been an incredible um, gift to me and it's it's allowed me it's enabled me to travel and. Mm-hmm. You know, live overseas and find community in, in in anywhere I've ever lived and and traveled. So it's been uh, it's been great. So I just picked it up from primary school and um, joined my local club, and I've kind of been at it since. It's so been great. Cool. I um I'm learning so much about you here. You think you know somebody until you sit down to podcast with them. That's like it's it's absolutely mad. And uh, even some of the stuff you sent through, kind of in preparation for today, uh, take us then to. 16 years old in New York and give us that bit. Oh, yeah. So so that was the, 
I, I, I like basketball. In case anyone hasn't picked it up yet, he loves it. <laughs> I do. I love it. I love it for so many reasons. And it's very much about kind of, again, the community and the culture around it. It's been, it's been really good to me. And so this opportunity came up when I was in when I was in Latin College to go to the US and and study there for a year. And so when I heard it in assembly, remember our vice principal at the time, deputy principal, Desi McNally said, Oh, we're gonna do this thing in New York. We've never done it before. It's in upstate New York. If anybody wants to it's for Don Stewart, if anyone wants to talk to me about it, come see me. And I was like, honestly, I've never had a moment, I have never had the same moment where I just knew that was me. Wow. I was going. I didn't care. I would run through walls to make that happen. <laughs> so I was up and I, and I, and I said, Mr. McNally, that, that, that's me. I, I, I need to go and do that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. <laughs> and uh, it was classic. In some ways, it was very classic kind of US Northern Ireland relationship. It was mm. one Catholic, one Protestant. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. uh, equal opportunities. And so, so I ended up going up and said, look, I'd love to go and be a part of this. Fast forward. Um, didn't hear anything for ages. Went home, told my mom. I was so convinced I was going to go. Mm. I said, Mom, I've heard about this opportunity. Yeah. I'm going to America. You better buy me a suitcase. I'm out of here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she, she burst into tears. Fuck, oh, Mom. So mo- uh, my, my mom's a single parent, you know, and, and uh, I think, and I'm the eldest. So it was a bit, it was hard for her to hear. But she, she And she knew with my level of confidence <laughs> that I was going to make it happen. <laughs> And so I ended up going to to Albany. I stayed with a host family uh, called the Lynches. Still have great um, relationship with them to, to this date. And yeah, went to uh, went to a nice school out there and spent the year. And again, that just a really year. a year at sixteen, which and with a, with a family I didn't know in a place I'd never been to, um, far away from anything that I. My goodness. Uh, yeah, and it was it was it was uh, overall it was an incredible experience. It was some. <laughs> <laughs> there were some mishaps, but that always happens when you're yeah sixteen and in New York. Yeah, sixteen and in New York. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a good time though. How'd you end up getting shot in the leg? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a really good question. Oh. Isn't it funny that the kid from Belfast got shot when he went to New York? It's on brand, you know. It certainly. I mean, it was a laugh. Um, I will tell you that before I tell you how it all happened, which is which is wild. Um, so yes, I did take a bullet in the leg. My goodness. Um, no, I was not shot by anyone else. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> that's that's the key that's distinction. That's the key here. distinction. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I'll tell you what happened after. Uh, my, so oh, it, it happened, and then the next sort of the next school day, the principal um, the principal of the school came in and he said. Um, I said to all the kids to update everyone because you know you had to let people of know course. what was going to say. Pre Facebook, you know, and, you got to update the status. And he opened up. He opened up with um, this line, and this is the importance of speaking and using a pause in the right place, Matthew. As you all know, he said, "Tony shot himself," <laughs> <laughs> and he just paused. And and obviously, my 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 siblings, my host oh, siblings, my were Lord. like, "He's grand. He's <laughs> grand. He's all right. Yeah, yeah, He's okay." Yeah, yeah. Um, and so there were, so the story goes, I was in a farm outside, uh, outside Albany, I can't even remember the name of the place. Yeah. And, um, you know, 
kind of rural US family were like, oh, we've got this old rifle, sure, this yeah. kid, 16, was like, come on, we'll shoot it. Yeah, we yeah, were yeah, shooting yeah, it yeah. into the pond yeah. and it was a 22 rifle and, <laughs> and it was an old, old gun. I mean, it was rusty as yeah. anything. I mean, looking back, it's like, that was wild, obviously. And so we're, I was carrying the... I was car- at, at the time, it was fine. At the time, I was like, this is the coolest thing. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. This is cool. And we're shooting around and, and just no real appreciation of the seriousness of what was happening. But yeah. I ended up um, going out the back by myself to shoot the target on the tree. It was Not really... Silly. Again, I like shooting. I've told you that. Oh, it's true. That's and, true. Uh, and, and I remember... I was I, I then was going to look at the target and I was walking towards it and I kind of put the gun by my side and then somebody yelled my name and it kind of gave me a, sh- a bit of a shake and I turned around and the gun went off in my hand I took a bullet to the to the right calf. Let me to the calf. Still the scar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any yeah. any any issues to this day? I wish I could blame my lack of athleticism. I on used it, but to be I, able to jump yeah, before yeah, I took I was, that bullet. I, I, was, I was flying. <laughs> no, no, just just trauma. No, it was it, look. It was um, it was wild. Thankfully, my mother and my brother and sister were in town at the time. In the way that you know, mum was able to go right. He's grand, and and my host family were unbelievable looking after yeah, me. Yeah. Um, and it took about eight weeks, and I was so lucky because it didn't hit any bone. Um, so it was it was right through. Yeah, crazy. What a thing to happen to you at 16, like. It is mad. And, I, and a lot of people uh, make fun of me a lot because of the Eight Mile movie with um, B-Rabbit. That's who, right. Yeah, yeah, Who yeah. shoots himself. But listen, yeah. it was, uh, I can kind of laugh at it now, thankfully. I, I just, I love that, uh, you know, the, the teacher, the principal, like the, the Paul is just in the worst place. I remember seeing something, I think someone sent me like a meme and it was like, like good punctuation is the difference between having grandma for dinner and having grandma for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, it's absolutely classic. So that takes you through to like 17 years old then. Mm, so I came back. So I took a gap year, a gap year between um, GCSEs and A-levels. So I actually, that didn't count. So I didn't up, count. It was no, a wee freebie. No, it was a wee, well, freebie. <laughs> then I'm joining lower sixth with a different class. And yeah, I, rem- yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember, it was funny. Tough. Well, funny, I remember a lot of people. Is the pecking order of school strong? Yeah. Really strong. Yeah, but I got I got on with everyone and I knew people, um, you know, in the year below and it wasn't, yeah. uh, it's kind of cost benefit. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. well, and I remember a lot, but I do remember a lot of people in my class being put off by that. Yeah. And I, I guess that's probably been a theme in my life where I don't mind taking the scenic route. Let's, mm-hmm. let's go explore. Let's do some stuff. It's, there's no, yeah. I'm not on this linear path. I'm interested in doing yeah. interesting things yeah. and, and, and taking risks and, and trying, trying new things out. That's oh, cool. Yeah. What did you study? So I, I, went, I went to Stramullis. I was a teacher. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and again, education's just been a theme for me, whether it was coaching or teaching or, Working with peace players. You guys keep it in the neighborhood as well, man. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I know. Well, it's funny. So having had that experience in the US, I was all like, yeah, Yeah. I'm going to, I love traveling and I'd like to go live overseas. But for some reason, uh, I think I really wanted to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And Stramalis seemed like a, like a great fit. And, and, and yeah, it was close. I mean, I moved out of my house as soon as I could. <laughs> uh, my mother would have killed me otherwise. I think we were both ready to part ways and, and it helped our relationship. 100%. But, but 100%. I left, I left when I was 19, went to Stromwell's college and did business studies in PE. 
Not at the same time. <laughs> I was going to say, what what a great combination. <laughs> I think that would be a really good class, wouldn't it? Actually, uh, I could see you setting up something like that because you're all about the overlay between business and sport and the psychology. It's perfect. I know. Yeah, it's fu- it's funny how your school things and your yeah, interest yeah. even from A-levels or even GCSE or further yeah. back, you know, le- lean into your life. But I went to Stramalist College to be a teacher and... I had the choice. Uh, interestingly, actually, I should say here that I had the choice to go to St. Mary's and Stramalus. Really mm-hmm. fortunate to have offers for both. So now, I I grew up, um, I you know, I grew up Catholic in the yeah. sense like that's that's culturally in our family are mm-hmm. kind of primarily based in West Belfast, and I I I've been just a strong supporter of integrated education since mm-hmm. day dot. Like, uh, and my mother did a great job raising us to say, look, it doesn't matter whether you're you know, what colour your skin is or who you are. You know, yeah, it's yeah, about yeah. your character. And so I went through integrated education in Lagan College and just lo- loved loved it. My friends are mixed groups and we used to rake each other, which I think oh, is the only way to absolutely. get... Absolutely. It's the only way that I think we've, we've been... <laughs> I think it's the way that we've been able to cope so far as a con- yeah. as a, as a yeah. nation, as a, as a place. Um, and we, yeah, we're absolute <laughs> great crack. But... Um, so when I had the choice to go to Samir's trauma list, the other, the other thing in my mind was, hey... You know, be that other person in that mm. group. You know, be that other voice uh, to give that other perspective. And I felt a responsibility. I felt like it would have been really um, irresponsible mm-hmm. to to go to St Mary's. Mm-hmm. So I chose to go to Stranmolis. Break the cycle. Trying, trying to, mm-hmm. trying to. I had some had some great experiences though in Stranmolis. All sorts of stuff like <laughs> uh, guys above me listening to, um, you know, Ian Paisley sermons uh, <laughs> on full full blast and. Making sure you could hear them. Yeah, yeah. Blending for uh, yeah. your benefit. <laughs> it, it was, again, it was a, it was it was a mix. Like I wasn't I wasn't the only person from the from sure, kind of yeah. a uh, from, from that background at Stramalis, but like that was great. And and like I loved, um, you know, I loved. Remember when Northern Ireland beat England with mm-hmm. David Healy scoring that goal from oh, then? Yeah. I was like, that's cool. We beat England, and so I had a had a Northern Ireland football jersey, but I also had a uh, I also had a, a gift. Uh, a shirt that was gifted to me from a friend who went to uh, a Notre Dame, uh-huh. Notre Dame. So yeah. like the, the Fighting Irish is the yeah, college in exactly. the US. And so it just said Irish right across <laughs> the front. So I remember in my first year at Stradmillis going in and, you know, people are always, whether you like it or not, we coming from this place, at least my generation and perhaps older, we are making judgments and, and, and figuring out the community immediately. It's not generational. That's everybody. Okay. You know, so it that's, has to be. So that's human how, nature. That, well, that's human nature, and yeah. it's specifically um, pertinent here when you're thinking, okay, mm-hmm. which community is this person? Yeah, yeah. From? Not everywhere in the world would uh, size each other up by their football well, shirts. Yes, <laughs> or, or care about what which Christian denomination exactly. you're from, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, in fact, I remember learning there's over 400 tales for this. Uh, I remember working with a guy called Tony McCauley, and he would talk about, yeah, there's four or 400 ways to determine. But anyway. Is this Paperboy Tony McCauley? That's Paperboy Tony McCauley. Yeah, right. exactly. So so anyway, so I, I just liked kind of probing both sides because I could see my side, you know, I totally can see myself sort of more middle of the road in, yeah. in, in lots of ways. And so one day I wore uh, I wore my Northern Ireland jersey to this, sport, this PE class that I had and folks were kind of looking at me going, he supports but hang on that doesn't that doesn't really fit yeah 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 yeah. is he allowed to do that exactly (laughs) they didn't they didn't say anything but I could feel the eyes on me in the room and it was early on in my in Stramalis when I was there and so then I I 
I, then I thought, okay, next week I was going into my wardrobe. I didn't have too many T-shirts. So <laughs> the next T-shirt line was the T-shirt that just said Irish, but it was a Notre Dame. Like it was American yeah, 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 fighting yeah, yeah. Irish shirt. Like yeah. that's all it was. And I threw it on and I went into into uni. And uh, and again, it was like, what? Hang on, but last week he's wearing Northern Ireland top. Now he's wearing the Irish top. And I thought, this is class. So good. Great fun. But it is, it's that, it's that third identity that's kind of emerging, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, even even like your basketball, like it's a bit of a third sport, you know? So you've always you've always had that in you. Mm. So it is interesting. So how do you end up going to Sweden? So I went to, I went to Sweden because it, w- it was coming up to Erasmus time and it was really interesting because, again, I'd, I'd chosen to be home and I thought... I'm, things are going really well. Mm-hmm. I was I was doing a lot of volunteering um, in in the basketball community. I was coaching a referee and I had a really good Classic. setup. I had, remember I'd coached my first kind of coach the coaches session at about nineteen or twenty with with peace players where I was teaching other coaches at that stage yeah. about how to run a really effective basketball session. So I remember going, "This is I'm I'm really enjoying this and things yeah. are getting really good." At, at nineteen twenty, and I amazing. thought, "Geez, that's amazing." And I wasn't really thinking I would. I was ready to and prepared to leave that. Mm-hmm. And so, as as other people were heading off on Erasmus study abroad, I I was I was late to the party, and I remember have just one night going. I can't believe that. And I was helping the school in the U.S. still send kids over from Belfast, and I thought. Here I am promoting and advocating for overseas travel and, and these new experiences. And I have the opportunity to go away and do Erasmus and I haven't, haven't made any effort. That's great. And so I was like, oh, Tony, just you've got to go away. So I went to the uh, international um, coordinator and I said, Margaret, I, I, I know I'm late. And she went, you are, Tony. I said, You're very late. I said um, I'd still love to apply. Yeah. I know I'm a couple of weeks late. And she said, well, where do you want to go? And I said, Margaret, wherever you want to send me, I don't really care. Destiny's in Margie's hands. Mad. It's all up to Margaret. <laughs> so Margaret said, Margaret came back to me and said, there's this place called Umiya, which I, I later understood because it's got the A with the O. Oh, so yeah. it's Umio. And I, and I remember she said... Uh, like she said, cafe Cafeo, a bit like that. <laughs> Although I think Norwegian, isn't it? But same sort of, same sort of area. But... I remember saying, that sounds great, Margaret. So I filled in all the forms, headed off to Umeå, um, Sweden, for six months for Erasmus. Wow. Uh, it was cold, arrived in, uh, like, arrived in January, maybe, was oh, it? Man. January what to June? Oh, a bit abysmal. I mean, it's like, those parts of the world are kind of like, you can get midnight sun in the summer, but the downside of that is, you just get hardly any in the winter. <laughs> you're not, you're not, there were nights that we'd, when we'd go out in, in, in northern Sweden, yeah. And if you were if you'd had a big night and you were feeling a bit rough the next day, you'd yeah. miss the sunlight. So it was pretty. It was pretty gruesome. All in all, it was it was a great experience. I so what I had done prior to leaving was I had researched a bunch of basketball clubs. Okay. And I found a couple of clubs and I emailed and said, "Look, I'm I'm coming over. I've been coaching. I've been doing this because I really was I was really into my basketball coaching. I thought." I was never going to be a, a tremendous player. And my, bro- <laughs> my brother captain Ireland at underage. Class. My brother's a tremendous basketball player. So you, are you claiming that you coached him? Is that you? Yeah. <laughs> That's what my mother would say. She would say, no, don't you forget where you got your skills from. Uh, but, he, you know, he's a tremendous player. But I, And I thought, I really think I could go down this coaching route. So I reached out to a bunch of clubs in, in Sweden. And uh, it was a small town, about 100, 120,000. 20, it was a student town, big university. I think the university was 30, 30, 30 to 40,000 students, albeit some of them remote. Yeah. Um, so 
I show up on a Monday and get to get to Sweden and get to Umeå, check into the student accommodation. The next, I think it was that, no, it was the next day, I ended up going to the local kind of leisure center and because I, I had connected with someone on couch surfing. You remember oh, couch surfing? Mate, that's so awesome. <laughs> and and her name's Eleni and um and she's a great basketball player and she was there and I was like, mate, we're gonna be best mates. And, <laughs> and so she took me to her practice on the Tuesday. I brought a whistle just in case. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, uh she said, Look, um I said, "How are you doing to the team?" And they and they they had no coach at the time. I said, "Would you?" We'd, I said, "Look, I'm happy to run a session." She said, "Yeah." So I just scribbled a couple of things down again. I was 21, and I thought, "Yeah, I'll run a session here for these 20s Swedish women." Well, mixed because there was some internationals, yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 so that was the second night in Sweden. And then the next night, I was uh, I took that team, and they asked me to coach a game, a friendly against an under 16 club team. So they were the women's kind of university team. Yeah, and then. So I went over and uh, I was going to coach and they didn't have a referee. So I refereed and coached. And that was like day three. And the next, honestly, one thing led to another. I, I, I joined a club called, uh, they were called Kofum, which is YMCA, which is the Swedish YMCA, Umeå Comets. They're now called, I think, You Dominate in Umeå. And I started working with that club and I met um, the father of one of the players, um, Jan Olof Blumen, um, or, or, or Blumen as we call him. And, <laughs> and then uh, I just really connected with their, with their family and the club. And next thing I knew, I was coaching three times a week. Unbelievable. Man. I started to become f- friendly with a lot of the American players who were playing in the women's team yeah, um, yeah, yeah. who compete at the top level. And I was just right in the club. And, and they were so cool because they would give me – Sweden's an expensive place. Yeah, it is, bro. Really expensive. But they would give me food tokens for the restaurants at the hospital. I mean, it was bizarre. <laughs> but it, it was – You go over to that, Kiev. <laughs> I know that sounds weird. But, you know, it was it was a great restaurant. It was these awesome, free man. free food tokens and as a thank you for, for, for yeah, coaching. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I loved it. And, and then I guess the funny story was that uh, – I I was so far I was so deeply involved in that club mm-hmm. that I knew I knew the team I'd coached a couple of guest sessions for the top team uh, who compete in the, it's called the Dom Ligen which is the the top Swedish um, women's league and I knew some of the players uh, and I knew this woman who was yeah, Amy 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 Moore and Amy Ball and, and she was coaching and she said would you run a session for us we need some new energy we're going through a relegation tournament. Mm-hmm. It's pretty intense. So I came in and ran half a session, 45 minutes. And, and the next thing, Blue Man was like, hey, what, what would it be like? <laughs> what would it be like if you came back and coached the top team and continued to coach the under-16s as well and do like just yeah, coach yeah, full-time? Yeah. And I was 21 at the time, and I went, I went, no, don't say this if you're if you're not if you're not serious. Blue man, don't, don't you don't you mess with me, don't bro. Mess with me. <laughs> don't mess with me. Because that's like I was like, that would be a dream. Yeah. And again, then I, I was asked to interview for the job and I thought this is really going to happen. And, and it, but then I was like, I'm 21, but it was right place, right time, hopefully right attitude. And, and then, uh, and then, yeah, so then they, they took me on very small stipend, like not, 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 not major <laughs> bucks, but it didn't matter. I could live and coach basketball every day. And so I, I went wow. back, I went back home. And I said, Mom, I'm doing it again. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping out of university for a year here. And I'm going to coach basketball in Sweden. I'm going to coach at the top level. And, Crazy. and it was amazing. And I, and I told my university and 
the guy, James Nelson, the sort of academic advisor, was like, that's great. Good on you. All the best. We'll see you next year. Wow. And my mother said, you better come back and finish your degree. <laughs> did you? I did. I went Good back. Good man yourself. Yeah. yeah I, had a, I had a great year. It was hard. Yeah. And then I realized coaching professionally was not for me. It was sure. pretty, um, it's pretty cutthroat. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's obviously, it's a results driven business. You, know, yeah, you need yeah. to get results. And we had a, we had the best start in, in the club's history, maybe not the club's history, but certainly within the last 10 years, mm -hmm. we went three and three. So we we're at the 500 and we were traveling, we were flying all around the country. And I was just, I was like, this is going really well. And I could see yeah. us getting a lot better, but it was, it was a tough year, but yeah, great experience. Cool. Still friends and still keep the relationships alive. Of how do you deal with the loneliness of being in a, like a stranger in a strange land? Yeah. Gosh, I'm going to sound like a broken, uh, broken record player here. Go ahead. Basketball. Yes. Community. I, look, I, I've, I've lived in, you know, I've lived in Belfast, upstate New York and Albany, um, northern Sweden, like random places, but as well as Dublin and London and Singapore. Mm -hmm. and, and I've spent a lot of time kind of moving around and I've, I've traveled and done lots of things. I'm very fortunate and don't take any of that for granted. And the the big thing has always been, where's the basketball game mm -hmm. I can join? Where's the club I can get involved so good, in? Man. And it's been it's been incredible. I mean, the, 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 one of the funniest stories was showing up traveling for so in New Zealand for about 11 weeks, had an old rusty camper van. It was brilliant cracking. I was, was driving around uh, New Zealand. We had friends actually from Northern Ireland who were living in Rotorua. And I really wanted a basketball game. And there were a couple of Facebook groups and things going on. And there was no run. And I only had a certain amount of time. And I yeah. thought, I need to get a game here. Yeah. And so I went on uh, on Facebook and managed to, within, I think I'd had one run before perhaps, but I managed to, within six hours, organize my own pickup game in Rotorua. <laughs> And I didn't know anybody, and I just unbelievable. And it just out of nowhere, five are in, you yeah. know, five New Zealand dollars come on down, yeah. And we had this game, and Class. it was it was I think it was mixed game, and we got ten, twelve folks down, and we played a game. So Perfect. it's just moments like that, you know, when you're in a different country, if you can latch, I think if you can latch on to something, whether it be your chess that you're into, or basketball, <laughs> or whatever it is, just fi find your tribe, find your community. It's, yeah. it's critical to survival. It's, I mean, totally. the research shows not having that is the same as a level as physical pain. You know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. pretty serious. Yeah. And he'd actually send you a book I read recently. It's called Fanocracy. Okay. And uh, it's all about, like, fandoms and the importance of being really, really passionate about stuff. And their big thing was, it's actually really written for, like, the business owner, like, how do you create something that can evoke so much passion and joy in people that they become fans? So it's more of like a marketing bend. But it's a wee bit on the human condition. And their, their, their big point was, if you're not a fan of something, how can you ever connect with other people? Mm. It says the things you're a fan of enable you to quickly emotionally bond with other people, whether it's a sports team or a niche Perfect. hobby or a whatever. And I just think it, it's super, super powerful, particularly in that traveling context like you described. Absolutely. What I don't know is, and this is this in my head is a strange jump, um, and everything makes sense in hindsight. You know, like you look through the the rearview mirror and it makes sense. How do you then end up working for Google? <laughs> like, what is that, and when did that happen, and how did you even apply? Because, like, no disrespect. Wow. No disrespect. Okay, <laughs> but I'm like. You know, I think of Google, I think of like a very specific set of skills, you know, sound like Liam Meeson yeah, saying that. Uh, basketball coaching and uh, like a PE, business studies teacher, 
is not the typical Google employee I think of. Yeah. So how do you, how do you make it happen? Yeah, great question. Like I said, the scenic route. <laughs> I think. I thought you were going to say basketball. I was like, that's it. This yeah. interview's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you believe there will be a basketball element to it, but look, I, you know, I, yeah. How how do you go from? I mean, at that stage, I was working for Peace Players, which is a charity. It's a yeah. non-profit yeah. managing projects, and I had a really, I really enjoyed that work. I enjoyed. I found it very rewarding. Uh, I enjoyed the team. I thought. I, you know, was able to move up from project, um, I think it was project coordinator to senior project, and I was doing mm-hmm. lots of cool stuff and really enjoying that. I've always loved tech. I've always loved little kind of tech things. I've loved, we had a Viglin computer back in the day. I've loved kind of anything. I don't even know that is. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I remember setting it up. I remember, you know, downloading from Napster and burning CDs oh, and all, yeah. all that. I just oh, love, yeah. I loved, I loved tech and I, and I, and I was really into that. And I also loved I mean, we talked about American culture mm-hmm. and, you know, in basketball, we talked about Fresh Prince, but then you've got American culture in terms of like things like places like Google. You're like, wow, mm-hmm. cool products. What a company it would be to work for. And I, I had applied actually in uni. I remember I went to, yeah, I'd went down to I remember the career fair down at Queens, yep, yep. right? And I remember meeting them and they were running a program for new graduates and I thought, oh, class and... You know, you put it, you put your application in, but you never hear back. You yeah. know, these things are huge, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're the lotteries, aren't they? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and and I wasn't a particularly you know high flyer. I was work, I was studying Stromwell's College as a teacher. So mm-hmm. at that stage, I, I don't certainly blame anyone for not looking at me as a candidate. I was working for a couple. I was working for a year, year and a half with with um, Peace Players. Um, so this nonprofit doing cross community work. But I'd also been setting up this thing called the Courtside Collective, which was this kind of mm-hmm. basketball blog slash website slash it ended up being the summer league that we run. It's a great and, name, by the way. Thank you. I yeah. Credit to this guy called John Wynn who came up with I wanted to call it. This was my first oh, lesson no, in don't business. Even tell me, tell me, tell me you came up with the name. No, I didn't. I can't <laughs> I was like, let's call it NI Hoops. And he was like yeah. he was like, dude, you need to think bigger. Yeah, and it was yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I remember yeah. that being amazing. But we set up um so I set up that with it with another guy called Nam McDermott and we, we set this this basketball thing up. So I was doing a little bit of little bit of tech, mm-hmm. tech, mm-hmm. WordPress, like very simple yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I saw a friend of mine had posted on Facebook, hey, Google is hiring for new graduates. And new graduate was determined by less than two years work experience. And I was just under that. Mm-hmm. So I sent my I sent my C V and and sent my C V in to my friend who then saw me speaking to the recruiter mm-hmm. and said, Hey, listen, would you um, would you look at this guy? Mm-hmm. And she came back and she said, because of the international thing with peace players, the travel yeah, yeah. and and then yeah. You know, there were some things on the CV that stood out and she thought, oh, that's quite interesting because the role was for customer support. So really you're looking for someone who understands a little bit of tech but can work with customers. Yep. And she was seeing, the recruiter was seeing some stuff. She thought, oh, it could be an interesting candidate. And I was like, wow. So it came back and, and my friend Hannah said, uh, she said, um, recruiter really liked your profile but didn't really see a lot of, not really seeing enough tech. And I was like, I was like, me You're like, give me, yeah, give me. I'm that. a tech lover. <laughs> like, did, did I did I forget to tell you I code in Python? No, um, I took it back and I, I I added in a little bit more around the Courtside Collective and yeah. stuff that we had done. And we'd done some really cool stuff with with the kind of the website and and that kind of um, you know pet project. And so I scrubbed it up, yeah. added a few things here and there. 
nothing, nothing, uh, no lies. Remember, sure. I have, yeah, I have a terrible memory. memory. Wouldn't yeah. exactly, wouldn't lie. So just, just, just added some more color to it. Let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it went back, and and she was like, "That looks really good," and whatever. Now mm. at the same time, this is this is a true story. At the same time. This is a wild story. Gosh, I hope this... Uh, I'm just making sure everybody's protected in this and they're not working there. No, they're not. Okay. So at the same time, my best mate, um, a, guy, a guy called Dave was in Belfast and he had just taken a job as a recruiter, a temp... Uh, a contractor as a rec- contracted as a recruiter in Google Dublin. Right. So he's getting ready to leave to go to Dublin. And I and I'm in the same time, I'm having a separate conversation with a recruiter in, du- yeah, in Dublin yeah, yeah, for yeah. Google and he's joining Google. I'm thinking... And I, I felt terrible because he here was here was him making this huge move yeah. for his career and you know, I was like, good on you, mate. And I had to just tell him, I said, mate, you know what? Um, we could live together here if you're able to make this happen. Yeah, can you fast track something basically, here, bro? <laughs> basically, I'm like, I said, look, man, I, I really don't want to be rude here. I know yeah, this yeah, is big yeah, for you, but yeah. look, if you meet, if you do come across, now I'm thinking Google's massive and it is massive in Dublin. It was thousands of people even at that stage. And this is going back eight, eight years ago. Uh, eight, nine years ago. And I say, look, but if you run into someone called Paula, can you just put a good word in? Like, that's all I was asking yeah. for. Very simple. Yeah. True story. Later, later, his first day is on a Tuesday, I think. I don't think it was Monday. It was a bank holiday. And the first day is a Tuesday. I haven't heard anything from the recruiter. So I'm sort of just getting on with life going, yeah. it's probably not meant to be and so on. So he he then, uh, or the, so then he's, he's moved down there. I hear nothing from him. He's terrible for keeping in touch in general. So I'm not, not concerned, but I'm thinking, gosh, I wonder, does he meet this person? 10.30 at night, I'm in my PJs, um, off Tate's Avenue, living with friends. And I'm probably 20, what am I, 25, 26 at the time. And I get this um, I get this phone call from Dave. Bit of loud noise. He's clearly <laughs> drunk. And he's like, all right. He's like, all right, Tony, how's it going? And I went, mate, how's it going? How's, how's Google? Like, are you loving working there? Like, what's the vibe? And he's clearly out with his team or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, are you, are, you ready for, are you ready for your interview? I went, what are you talking about? Next thing I hear this, this, this dub accent come on the phone. Tony, it's Paula. <laughs> she says, I've one, I says, I have one question for you. How would you describe the color pink to a blind person? Oh. I'm in I, I'm bedtime, Matt, and I'm like, what's going on? And I, I, I just told, I just totally freeze. And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know. Like, and I just, I can't even remember what happened. It just was a bit of a blur. And I thought, yeah. oh, I just kind of laughed, but I was so nervous. But obviously in my, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, this is great because Big Dave has met Paula yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, I trust yeah, Big yeah, Dave yeah. Um, entirely. Yeah. And so, um, Anyway, we get off the phone. Um, the next day, I, I get I get a call, a, a, a sober call from yes. Paula, who yes. says, um, "says Hey, she's what? like, no, really. How would you do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she says, oh, don't really ask that.' But I did ask. I did ask. What would you say yeah. to that? If I asked you, how would you describe the color pink to a blind person? I would say, like, if light had a little bit more music in it. Oh, I like that. I don't know, I hate that, but that's that, very thoughtful. That, well, that, that's what it, that's what came out with. I yeah. think that's very I think that's you would have been much better at me at 10:30 in your pages. <laughs> well, she said she I she ended up I asked her I said what would you say to that? And she said, "Well, it's like when you taste sour, you know, something that's quite sour." Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, she said, "What are you messing with you anyway?" So I did the interviews. Uh, so I got out invited to interview and I was like, "This is unbelievable." Like I'm a teacher who works in a nonprofit. I'm about to interview for Google's customer support team. 
this would be unbelievable. Uh, go and do the interviews on a Friday. Go to France for the weekend with um, with a basketball team. We were playing this basketball tournament in a little town called Orvaux. And so it was great because I had the interviews on the Friday and we went to France. So I was like, get the interviews done, not, not worry about it. Uh, did the interviews, had some really interesting questions and... Uh, yeah, and and then and then I went away thinking oh, it didn't go great because the third interview with the manager it didn't go great. He asked a bunch mm-hmm. of questions about conversion tracking and about increases in percentages oh, if right. I up this and all that stuff that the I've weeds. never yeah I never I never experienced it. So I thought didn't go well, and I sort of went that's okay, it's grand. I'm really happy in, in the work that I'm doing. I can grow my career in this, and mm-hmm. that's that's grand. But I'll give it my best shot. And I sort of gave up on it, and and I sort of would sort of come around to it. So I told Dave he was with France, and he was with with me in France, and I said, "Look, wasn't meant to be. I'm actually happy enough. Do you know what? I'm not even sure if I would have, would have even taken it because it was a bit it was a bit outside of my own kind of values as well. If I'm honest, like big corporate, big tech, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that come with with working in a place like Google, and I had friends who were like that wouldn't suit you. Mm-hmm. So there was a mixed a mixed experience. So I sort of was fine. So Dave then calls me on the Tuesday after. Uh, and again, I told you he's terrible at keeping in touch. So the fact that he was calling me was a thing. And he called me on the Tuesday. We had a video call. I'll never forget it. It was in the kitchen. I said, what's the crack, man? How are you getting on? Oh, France was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, look, you know, if, if they did, if they, if Google did, like, offer you the job, like, would you take it? Like, um, I don't know, Dave. I, I, like, maybe, like, I don't really know, like... You know, Peace Player is really cool. I really enjoy yeah. the work. We're doing some good stuff. Um, I said, I don't know. I said, why, why are you asking me that? I said, well, they're going to offer you. And I jumped off my chair and I was like, ah! yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I was like, turns out I do want it. And he was like, look, I shouldn't be telling you. But the reason I'm telling you is I wanted to make sure you had your story straight and that you weren't going to go and mess it up, basically. And and so then, yeah. So then I then I then I took a big another big career jump and, mm-hmm. and jumped in there, and it was fantastic. Yeah. So this is uh, a big jump, and this is skipping over a lot of ground. But for the sake of getting there, take us to then your next big jump in starting people playbook. People playbook. And why did you do that? And why the timing was both absolutely terrible <laughs> and absolutely wonderful. Oh, gosh, yeah. I was in I was in Google for a long time. I had done the Dublin. I moved from Dublin to Singapore. I moved from customer uh, customer support, which was great. But while I was doing that, I was also doing education. I was also working with sales teams and yeah. leaders and onboarding. I was doing lots of stuff in the areas that I that I'm passionate about, mm-hmm. which is around um, around people development. Moved then, got a job. Again, don't even know how. That's a whole other story. But ended up in Singapore working in the onboarding. So you know where you get the hats. I was the guy that gave out the hats with the little <laughs> propellers. That was those hats were the. Uh, honestly, that's all people. If you've seen the movie The Internship, I'm like the guy that's giving out the hats at the front of the room and so yeah. on, and kind of leading that onboarding. It was a really great experience. So did that. Did lots of leadership development stuff. Got to travel a lot. Um, moved in back to uh, moved moved back this direction to London, start working in recruitment. So still people stuff, but backwards career integration almost where I went and said, okay, I'm onboarding people and I'm developing people. What's it like to hire people? Yeah. All right. And in, in, in the best company to work for, mm-hmm. right. With top talent. So I went to London, did that and, and things just changed, you know, Google, Google's getting bigger all the time. I mean, it's crazy growth. It's like, like 20, the universe. It's 20%, <laughs> it's 20% growth there, but it's year on year. And, yeah. 
Uh, and then I changed. You know, it was, Google was always only a career experiment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only going to last a couple of years, but I had such a good time learning, growing, laughing, meeting going people, to going to Singapore, yeah. g- getting these experiences that I wouldn't have ever dreamt of growing up. And then when I moved to uh, moved to London, I, again I was doing recruitment, and I, I didn't really enjoy recruitment at all. It was it was it was pretty tough for me. I just very meticulous, very results driven. And uh, I just didn't really suit me. I liked working with clients, understanding their needs. I like yeah. working with candidates, helping prepare them and sort, you know, get them sorted for their interviews. But by and large, I, I wasn't my favorite thing to do. So I was still doing some of the other stuff. And I realized then, and I moved to Dublin, took my last Google job as a global L&D lead for a sales org. And I thought, great. So when I was looking to leave in London, I was like, I've got to leave Google. I'm, I'm ready yeah. to do my next thing. But I... I, I thought, I'll give it one more go. A couple of people in my life that I look up to said, look, look it's just the rule. Mm-hmm. But I moved to Dublin, and I knew pretty quick that actually it wasn't the rule. Yeah. It wasn't the, the location either. Mm-hmm. It was I, was, I was ready to leave Google and move on and try something else. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm honest, and as you know, because we worked together when I was, when I was coming up with this new business, uh, I, you know, I was leaving, I was leaving and I, I, I'd prepared myself for, Hey, let's see what happens. I considered traveling or doing some work, but I happen to have already a client lined up in London, mm-hmm. a wonderful co-working space. As we sit here in Oman Bass called work life. And, uh, I was lined up and I, I, I left Google in February 26th was my last day in Google, right? You see where this is going last year. February 2020. 2020, <laughs> February, end of February. You know, the oh, sky's man. the limit for what this, I'm thinking, I'm going, and I fly to London the next week. I meet this client, I meet a couple other people and I'm thinking, I'm going to live in Belfast. I'm going to come home. I've been away for seven years. I'm going to live at mm-hmm. home and that's going to be amazing. going to get back into the basketball club, mm-hmm. going to spend time with family and friends. I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be traveling, man. I'm going to be going to London, maybe Madrid. I don't wherever know. I, wherever I, I want. Maybe New York. Who knows? So I go I, 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 I go to London. I meet the client um, and we're chatting away about the, pro- the project that we might do together. And I'm thinking, this is great. And we're kind of both watching the news going, might not. I, I'm planning on being back next week. And, I, and he's saying, I'm saying, I don't think I'm going to be back here next week. <laughs> I don't, it's not looking good. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and and he was like, no, I think it'll be all right. Yeah, we'll be all right. Yeah. We'll, look, we'll do a bit online and we'll see what happens. Don't believe all that stuff. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. We, we did at that stage, early March, nobody, we still weren't really clear on, on, on the design. I remember being coming. in Germany around that time. And like, you're just sort of like, oh, what are they all going on about? Like, isn't that just what they always do? Isn't it oh, just all the drama, like all the time? And then literally the next week we were like, oh my goodness. <laughs> It was, and it was it was that quick, wasn't it? Do you yeah. remember? It was like almost overnight. So I came home then and was like, "Oh, this is happening. Yeah, this is happening. You're, you know, you're now restricted to your bedroom slash home office because that's what was where I was. <laughs> yeah. I was living in Belfast, and I had a little flat with my brother, and I had a tiny room, and my desk was right beside my bed. I mean, with yeah. arms reach, and I didn't know what was going to happen. And at this stage. I'd started coming up with a business concept or an idea, or at least a brand. I'd worked with a great copywriter, <laughs> Matthew Thompson. What a legend. <laughs> uh, I'd worked with a great designer, a guy called Adam Engel, and we'd built the brand People Playbook. And I loved it because it was, it was really, and I, I still love it, which is, which is nice with the name, I so suppose, uh, because it's people first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the playbook has the, you know, the whole concept of play, and that's kind of in my own values. So it's carrying yeah. into the business, right? It's quite playful. It's quite fresh, quite creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea 
of a playbook. It's this ever-growing resource Absolutely. for an organization as they learn about their people and support each other in their in their learning uh, leadership and team development. Oh, you're killing this. I like, know. I'm literally, like, like, I'm just, like, I'm vibing. I'm like, this, Brandon, is so good. It's so good. And like, I, I, the way you're pitching it, it's just so, such quality. Like, And I love it. And it's, and it's, and it's been an incredible journey. But at the start, as you say, I'm thinking, I'm going to, you have to get a new job, or I have to figure some other way to get income. And Google? Yeah, yeah. No, never. I was no. As my mother said, and you'll never go back, son. You'll never go back. You know, I was, uh, I was, I was done with that chapter. Yeah, I'm al- always forwards, always forwards. Next thing. Um, again, it's a bit like a basketball thing. Next play. Mm. So I was on to the next thing, and yeah, I thought, what way is this going to go? Mm-hmm. I was ex- expecting to meet clients in London and do face-to-face leadership development, um, other types of uh, learning development programs. I was like, this was all going to do face-to-face. Now, mm-hmm. fortunately, I had when I was in Singapore, I had a team of folks who were working. They had full-time roles, but they were working with the onboarding program uh, across APAC from Sydney to Hyderabad to uh, to, to Beijing. To, it was crazy, right? So I, I was used to working in that environment yeah. where I had 50 people on a screen mm-hmm. And I was there facilitating a meeting and learning and, and all this sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. I was fairly comfortable with it. And I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And I don't think any organization was. But as, as you pointed out, it ended up being an, an incredible blessing. It mm-hmm. ended up being um, it just it, it created an opportunity to enter a global marketplace mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think pre-pandemic, I would have been able to launch into. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I remember we had the conversation and you asked me the question. You said, what would it be like as we were developing this? I was still in denial. <laughs> you said to me, what would it be like if we really focused on this kind of remote playbook idea? Yeah. And I remember going, this guy's nuts. Like, you know, we'll be, we'll <laughs> this be, guy's a writer. How dare, guy, how dare yeah, he yeah. suggest business stuff to me? I know. <laughs> that was part of the beauty of it. And I remember you really challenged me and I, and I thought... I wasn't really ready to give give into that because I, I part of part of the joy that I get and the um, the fun that I have and the environment is is around the environment that I try and create when I'm facilitating. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not able to be in this same physical space, um, reading the room, um, organizing people into smaller breakouts, creating this this optimal learning environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm and safe place for people to take risks mm-hmm. for their own development. If I'm not able to do that, what's that look like? Mm-hmm. And I don't even really know how it happened, but it just, we sort of just jumped into, I just sort of jumped into little projects mm-hmm. and sort off with things like, as, as you all know, is like online quizzes with organizations. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's bring a bit of fun, a bit of crack work with incredible comedians and musicians. And But that previous paragraph you just spoke, I think in paragraphs, is like you brought all of that in-person experience into a digital platform, taking risks, having yeah. a bit of crack, breaking down some of those barriers. And it's so funny because even even just like hearing what you've said now, you had such a competitive advantage because you were sitting with 50 people on the screen like for years while everyone else hadn't even remotely got there. You're absolutely It's ridiculous. On. It is. You were doing the reps before anyone else had the chance <laughs> even to pick up the ball. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I mean, you're absolutely right, and that 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 has that was the case that that a lot of seasoned, um, incredible experts in the field of facilitation in this area and in this work uh, had only ever done it in person, mm-hmm. 
And so asking them to transition into this online environment was, I know, was a big challenge for some of my peers. But as you say, I felt quite comfortable. And, and while every business on the planet is transitioning into that sphere as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was a perfect storm in some ways for people playbook to grow. I had yeah. clients in Australia, in Abu Dhabi, in New York, nice in one, Copenhagen, yeah. and things were just growing. And I just rode the wave and and said yes and said yes to different things and just f really took it very organically and just continue to find ways that I could serve organizations when it came to their people development. So good, man. And it's been a, it's been an absolute right. I mean, I I'm about to hire my first full time um, employee, so that'll be employee number two. I'm number one. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, I'm just so so grateful. And and the clients I get to work with and and serve have just been been brilliant. And it's just the the freedom. You know, we talked about that move from working in a big tech company mm -hmm. to kind of doing your own thing. Just the freedom to do things in a way that I think is the most effective way, the mm -hmm. most enjoyable way, mm -hmm. and and ultimately optimal um has been amazing so good gonna ask you a question and if i knew what your mom sounded like i would do it in her voice <laughs> what do you actually do tony what do you actually do I, well i i facilitate I, I craft and facilitate these really cool fun creative learning experiences for for organizations who want to support their people so will you come in and let's say the client, the company wants to upskill their people in a specific area and you'll come in and you'll make that happen. Yeah, but it, it, it's, it's interesting. I love that you said that because it's really interesting because that's the one thing that I don't want to do. And yeah. let me explain why. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to just say, uh, you know, I don't want Matt to say, I want you to come in and facilitate this um, session or workshop or I want you to focus on this one skill. Mm -hmm. Because as you'll know, in in your world in copywriting, we don't often, you don't often know what you want as a no. customer, as a client. <laughs> Never. <laughs> exactly. Like when I came to you, I went, this is what I want. But yeah, it, it wasn't yeah, yeah. you give me something else and you you asked the right questions mm -hmm. and helped me think about the business in a very different way that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Mm -hmm. I try and um, provide that same support to to organizations. And so... If, if a client comes and says, I want this, I say, well, look, why don't we, why don't we really, let's, let's really focus in on what it is you need and yeah, what it is yeah, that's yeah. going to really move the needle because oftentimes it could be something completely different. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's a case of saying, actually, I don't think I'm the best person to support you, but I have a faculty of yeah, incredible yeah, yeah, experts yeah, yeah. who will be able to support in this area. Let's work together and I will be hands-on in the co-design, co-facilitation. But it's very much, my process starts way, way back where I'm getting to know the client, their business, what it'll take for their business to succeed. Mm. And then we look at the people and we go, okay, well, what are your people doing to help support your business? And then we we, we literally don't kick a ball. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a preseason thing. We'll use the sports. Yeah. I believe in a tremendous preseason. If the season is the learning, the workshop, the mm -hmm. session, mm -hmm. that's late. Like that happens down the line. Yeah, 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 the yeah, first yeah. thing is let's really be clear and understand what it is, um, what it is we want to accomplish to help help your people grow, yeah. work together better and be better leaders, um, doing a lot of work in the mental health and well-being space, mm -hmm. just whatever it is they need. And then we kind of create and craft around that. Well, that's so good because, you know, like, let's say I'm, I'm big business X. Like, I could think that what I need is I need to teach my employees how to be more productive while working remotely. Yeah. But what my, what my people actually need is tools to help them take better care of themselves so that they will become more productive. Man, I love that. That is so sick. 
you're you're absolutely spot on because you imagine you're thinking you're thinking gosh uh i we need to run more online team meetings yeah, and yeah, events yeah, yeah, yeah. and if and what this thought this has happened um quite it's happened a bunch of times working with clients where actually what happens when you ask the questions of 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 the team turns out actually they want less because mm. they're exhausted everyone's exhausted with zoom fatigue and so you know, then it's about, okay, well, what do they need? Like you said, sometimes it could be as practical as they need a better desk at home mm. or they've got a new newborn so they're not getting that disconnect between yeah, um, yeah, work yeah. and life. There are so many things that um, that could be going on that you don't know until you ask the right mm-hmm. questions. And again, what, we, what we've what we done, and I think what's become a really interesting sort of stable with people playbook workshops online and the stuff that we do to make it fresh and creative, we bring musicians and comedians. Awesome. To to workshop to senior leadership <laughs> workshops, I'm working with uh, I'm working with a great company now called Squarespace. They're a New York based, um, just went direct um, public company now, and they're Flipping brilliant to work with. Sick. I'm a Squarespace fan. Are you? There's, you know, all my websites ever have been Squarespace. They're gonna love that. Listen, my, my my client yeah, Andrew and Jason, mate. they're gonna love to hear that. They're great. They're so good to work yeah, with, awesome. and they've they've got an incredible um, culture when it comes to their people. And so this is a great. They're a great client because they. Uh, they're allowing me the freedom to kind of shake things up and bring some life and energy to it and allow me to take risks. Mm. Uh, and they defer to, to my kind of expertise in the space. So I'm bringing um, live music. I've got uh, who, one of your fellow or one of your previous guests, Rebecca Fitch, who's jumping online, wow. playing, playing piano and, and singing, her, singing her heart out. And folks are going, wow, this is not going to be like every other blooming yeah, Zoom yeah, call yeah, we've yeah. had. Yeah. And then I'm bringing a comedian, a guy called Jared Christmas, and I'm, and, and I'm saying, hey, Jared, come on in and we'll do a cheese joke competition. So good. So we're just trying to figure out ways that you can shake things up, it's keep it It's that state fresh. shift as well, though, isn't it? It's the digital version of like getting everyone to swim in the sea before you have a little workshop, you know. Absolutely. It's so, so powerful. Um, I'm going to lean into the long-form nature of podcasts here. Uh, before we land the plane with the stock questions, there's two um, two little bits that uh, you shared with me when we were working together that have been invaluable and I use in my day-to-day language now, literally. like it, it, If you could uh, receive citations for the amount of times I've referenced this, <laughs> you would be, you'd be shocked. So the first one is, it's back to Mr. Hopla. Yes. Uh, I think I even said to you, I said, you know, oh, yeah, you know yourself, uh, practice makes perfect. I remember you, like, in your guru wisdom stepping in and being like, no, 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 no. And what did you say to me? (laughs) I'm pretty sure I learned it from Hopla. I said to you, practice doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. Mm. Unpack that for us. So, again, we'll go back to shooting the basketball in Stramwell's primary school. If I'm shooting overhead shots yeah. with poor technique and I'm scoring, then I'm thinking I'm perfect as a shooter. But I'm not. I'm permanently uh, creating a, a routine and a rhythm in my shot, which is imperfect. Mm. Uh, but it's it's going to be permanent. It's going to stick. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a wonderful uh, reminder of, of the importance of reflection, um, self-reflection, um, peer coaching, mm-hmm. hey, let's look at the way this is going on. And then obviously any type of learning where uh, you're able to disrupt technique and say, hey, let's let's have a look at this because is it working for you? Is it serving you? Is it serving your people? Mm-hmm. No, let's, let's reflect on that then and let's think about how we can course correct, how we can habit change or how we can change our technique. Mm-hmm. 
Man, I, I literally love it. I love it so much. And I always think about it whenever I'm practicing my shooting because I'm like, oh, no, it's before I'm good. <laughs> Crap, what would Tony say? <laughs> um, forcing functions. What yes. I like about both these things is that it's like all it's like all forms of wisdom. It's not new information, but it's just like a revelation of something that you already know or have seen. So what is a forcing function? Why does it work? Gosh, I, I believe, again, I'm... I believe it's actually a military term. I believe I'm not 100 percent sure. I work with a great guy in 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 London, a guy called Hugh Morgan, and he he came from MOD, and and um, I remember he he used to talk about force and functions a lot. As I understand a force and function, it's something that happens that ultimately means that you've got to react, you've got to make a change. Mm. The pandemic is in a great example of a force and function yeah, where, organi- where organizations had to shift. They had to move um, in, in response uh, and, and they had to react to the changing environment in whatever way, shape or form that was. Mm-hmm. So in my world, organizations that were onboarding new hires, that were developing their leaders, they had to then think about uh, as a force and function of the pandemic, they had to go, okay, how are we going to do this effectively mm-hmm. in this kind of remote working environment? But you can also kind of um, reverse engineer force and function a little bit. Like you can use them. You can artificially create force and functions. Or can you? That's hard. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. T- tell, tell me what you're so saying. So like what I'm saying is like for me, like a force and function of Best of Belfast, the way mm-hmm. I understand it, is a new episode goes out every single Monday. That yeah. locks me in. And that in itself almost magically automatically makes all of these episodes happen because without that force and function i would i would upload infrequently maybe once a month or whatever but like I, like i had like the show must go on mentality like i have to get a, an episode on a monday and like it, it you move heaven and earth to make that happen and things that you wouldn't think were possible or even during the pandemic i think around the time we were working together you know we did we did an interview every single day for 50 days Mm. and the concept of me thinking of doing that now even though I've already done it I'm like no that's impossible but the force and function was in place that actually it just made it happen it like it's out of your hands at that point who put in the force and function but you put it in me yourself. I did it myself <laughs> I think that's a, I think that's accountability and and funny I'm 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 working uh, I'm working next week with uh, uh, just share it so I'm working with PwC in Belfast next next week or two weeks from now and and they, the, the title of the workshop that we're doing in their new well-being space, they have the second largest office for PwC in the UK now, outside of London, is in Belfast. It's just Amazing. down the road. Incredible, wow. incredible office. Totally custom built. And they have this wonderful well-being space. So I've been invited in um, by a woman called Catherine Dolliver, who's a senior manager in there. And, and um, <laughs> the title of the workshop is How to Say No to Boost Well-Being and Productivity, or Productivity mm-hmm. and Well-Being. And so and, nice. and so we're talking about that accountability piece. Now, what I would say about that is I imagine you've posted somewhere at some point that it's going to be every Monday or... Oh, yeah. So, so, then so, so there's, you're the, in. there's the social proof. And then even <laughs> yes. during the pandemic, it was like, we're going to do an episode every single... You know, it was like it was a community-led <laughs> thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Good on you. Uh, but yeah, the force and functions like they're, they're crazy. Yeah, I have to say now... Um, Good on you. I was listening to your podcasts, and I have been, and, and you've got such a broad range of folks who have been on. And, and what I've loved about coming home after sort of seven years away from Belfast is is that community, is that sense of belonging here mm-hmm. uh, and coming from this place, whatever community you come from, whatever background uh, you've been raised in. And 
oh, it's been great. Like I was listening to Foy Vance. I mean, I feel like I've grown <laughs> up with Foy Vance. He doesn't know me, but you know, I look back and I have photos with Foy when I was 18. Yeah, yeah, I've been yeah, at yeah, gigs yeah. for the last yeah. 15, 20 years. I've been at the Hollywood Yacht Club watching him perform, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. with 50 people. And then yeah. I've been at Union Chapel in London. So, yeah. You know, guys like that, Jazz Mooney, yeah. you know, I mean, you've got some incredible guests. I'll give doing you an amazing a, a job. Really funny story on, on Foy, exactly what you were talking about. I'll not name them, um, but when Foy was in here doing the interview, um, there is a individual here, I'm even trying to avoid gender here, uh, there's an individual here that is a massive, massive Foy Vance fan. Like, I mean a super fan. And uh, the word got out that Foy was in here. And we were then outside afterwards having a smoke. And uh, this individual like ran out and said, boy, boy, I, I just have to say to you, like, thank you so much. Like you, you played, you played your song while I walked my wife down the island, Italy. And you just saw Foy's face and he was like, I've never done a wedding in Italy. And he goes, no, 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 just on Spotify. But like, <laughs> but like, you know, it, it felt like you were there and it's just like, wow, like, isn't that like, that's just the way it is. You, you feel like you're a part of these people's lives or they're a part of your lives. And it, it's amazing to see how like that sort of work uh, impacts people. You'll know these then um, if you've listened to a few, but most challenging moment so far. Most challenging moment. Gosh, it's a great question. It's not the one I expected from the stock question library, so I'm gonna <laughs> gonna take a moment. Most challenging moment. Yeah, just just do what Foy would do and take a minute of silence. <laughs> <laughs> I love that there was so much silence, and I and I and I I think that's that's wisdom. And yeah. you talked a lot about listening, and it's something I'm trying to do more of. But because of my memory, I'm going to go with recent times, and I will say that the most challenging moment in recent years has, has been leaving um, Google. Mm -hmm. It was such a big part of my identity. Sure. And that was a big reason why I had to leave. You're a Googler. Tony from Google. Mm -hmm. Googler. I, I remember making terrible jokes and someone saying, that's so googly. I was like, I've been making terrible jokes long before I joined <laughs> Google. And that's when I knew I, I, I was like... Mm, that's I, when you know the brand's big whenever it just sucks your identity up. It does. It wow. does. And it's not... And it's not enough aligned with my values that I wanted it to continue yeah, yeah, to be yeah. part. So, but leaving took about two and a half, three years. And I have to thank, I've, you know, I have a coach and a mentor mm -hmm. and recommend that for anyone at all really, or just have people mm -hmm. around you that you can trust and get really honest um, input from. And, and so my coach and good friend is Alison Whiteman. And uh, it took us two and a half years. I mean, she was side by side and it was just like untangling things around identity, yeah, yeah, around yeah. financial security. I mean, we didn't grow up with very much money. So Absolutely. so having that security and being able to support your family when needed, that, that was quite terrifying. So to do to make that move was, was, was the most challenging. And I'm only starting to realize that now. I think in the moment it felt challenging. It took years. You've, I've forgotten about it because i got a terrible memory. <laughs> and then people come up to you, both from Google and outside of Google, and go, gosh, that was, that was really hard. Like, and, mm. and I know there are lots of folks working in big techs, tech companies, and, and they struggle to leave. Yeah. They're, they're really locked in. 100%. And primarily it's a lot to do with financial and or identity. Mm. Uh, and I think mm. I was really pleased I was able to, with support from good yeah. people, to yeah. leave. Well, it's the it's the working middle class dream, isn't it? Yeah, it's like what people would have viewed civil service as whenever we were growing up. 
you know it's a, it's a job for life and it's it's amazing and it's good status and it's well paid and why would you ever want to leave that what do you do what do you mean you want to be a postman like what the heck like now you, know you I mean? sound like my mother <laughs> uh most successful moment oh I'm going to go with recent times as well. Gosh, <laughs> this is terrible, isn't it? I mean, it's again, the basketball, the basketball analogy here, the comparison is you're only as good as your last game. It's true, though. It you're is only so as good as your last game. Yeah. So I think, look, most successful. We just hosted a, an event in the Europa, an in-person event, Matthew. <sighs> now, this is August 2021. Wow. That doesn't happen very no, often right doesn't. now. And we had to move heaven and earth to make it happen. And, and we did it. And it was incredible. And... And basically, over lockdown, I suppose that's the real success for 60 weeks, 60 Fridays, 6-0, I should say, um, I ran and hosted an online quiz hey, with, with music and comedy. Look at uh, that force and function and play. Like. It was, exactly. <laughs> um, so for 60 weeks, um, every Friday from 8 o'clock to around 11 and then later, uh, we had this event with Boundary Brewing, Cooperative Brewing in Belfast. Class. And... We had people from all over the world join from the U- from like the US, from Germany, from uh, from all over this island and across the Irish Sea, and the the community grew and grew, and, we, and, and on average we were getting, I would say about two hundred teams, which really is about five, six, seven hundred people. My goodness! Every Friday, and and that has been a success because it was really a lifeline for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Including myself, absolutely. It was it was a moment in the week. It's a reason to get your PJs off. It was or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or at least the top half. <laughs> it was. It was a moment in the week that people knew that they could rely on, mm-hmm. and that they would have that social interaction, that sense of community, sense of purpose, that distraction. We talked. We never mentioned the pandemic. Nice. We never mentioned anything to do with coronavirus. Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Every Friday, and it was an escape, and the team of people with me that that made that happen every friday with with the incredible support from boundary i mean i i i'm getting a bit emotional thinking about it because I, I, again i'm only starting to appreciate the fact that it was so important to so many people mm-hmm. and the force and function was uh the question from the from the community when are we getting together in real life and and we looked at it and we thought about it and there was there was restrictions eased and then they were taken back, yeah. all sorts of things. And, and and we managed to sneak it in just a couple of weeks back in Class. Europa and we had 150 people, 30 kids, families from all over. Awesome. Uh, we had our, our comedian there. We had our musicians come. Now, the funny story about that is that the, we weren't allowed live music at the time. And you remember the Van Morrison mm. incident in Europa. We were, we were obviously avoiding that. Yes, uh, of course. But did you know what you were? I think you were allowed to do. Gosh, I'm really. It happened now. Um, busking is okay. Right. Seen some buskers. So interestingly, after the event, uh, people were able to walk around and they were able to see buskers who they had seen online every, every every week for Fantastic. for sixty weeks. So that was a huge success, I think. And, and a lot of folks, um, you know, came up and and yeah. uh, just shared their appreciation. So that was a huge success to to do that every Friday. Then to have it kind of culminated in an yeah, in-person yeah, yeah. event yeah. where people have never met each other, yeah. but they've seen each other every week. So cool. And it's just, it was a beautiful thing. And the friendships that have been mm-hmm. developed over that time and these little after-party breakout rooms on Zoom, yeah. I mean, they would go on until 4 a.m. So, <laughs> no, I'm really pleased with that. Mate, that is unbelievable. So, so good. Uh, if you could take anyone from Northern Ireland out for a pint or a cup of coffee, dead or alive, who would you take? Where would you take them? 
Why? Oh, it's a good, it's another good one. The the one I was thinking about was it's gonna be Foy Vance, isn't it? I'm probably be just like this super fan in your office. Go ahead. Yeah, I think Foy Vance. I think uh I think he's a really interesting character. Yeah. I think and I feel like I've grown up with him mm-hmm. from when I was sort of sixteen, seventeen. You know, I feel like I've followed his music yeah, and yeah. I've kind well, of grown you've, up. You've journeyed with his journey. Don't that's what it feels like. Absolutely, it's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. And so, uh, and I find him to be just. Uh, I just really like his energy. I think mm-hmm. he's hilarious, and I think he'd be great to. I think he'd be great to sit and have a beer and have a have a chat with. And yeah. um, yeah, that would be that would be a dream. That'd be cool. I love his. Um, there's two albums that if I want to laugh, like if I really want to chuckle, that'll stick on. One of them is Flight of the Concords. Funny, look at this. They're both called Live in London. Uh, one of them's Flight of the Concords, Live in London, and the other one is Foy Vance, yeah. Live in London. And he is like ad-libbing during it, making fun of the crowd, and I just think it's one of the funniest things on the planet. I was at that gig. You were at the I gig? I was at that gig. I mean, I'm going to listen out for you in the, I in the background. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think it was Union Chapel, wasn't it? It was Union yeah. Chapel, yeah. I was at that gig. Unbelievable. And he was, it was brilliant, and... He had a he he sang a song called London. I think it's on that track. And at the time, you ha- again you talk about journey. And at the time, yeah. I hated living in London. Oh man, that song's for you. I know. Cradle me into your arms, London City. Yeah. Oh man. And and he yeah he talked about it and he yeah, he sort of talks about it, like he felt like he had to be there and mm-hmm. I felt like I had to be there mm-hmm. and this was the place where I needed to grow my career and he's I mean entirely different <laughs> lifestyles and careers. <laughs> I'm not trying to write music and. And and become an incredible artist yeah, like yeah, him, yeah, but yeah. at the same time, I'm thinking the same thing. And and that song, yeah, uh, and, and that song, I I I cried in that gig when he when he sang that song because I just knew I I'd had enough of London and I was yeah. ready to get out. Yeah, oh, bro, what a we unexpected part of that interview. I loved that, absolutely loved that. Um, final question then: If you could go back to Let's say a 16-year-old Tony, and he's on the plane to, where'd you fly into? Oh, Stuart, or? Gosh, it was a disaster flight. It was, oh, was it? It was Belfast <laughs> to London, London to oh, Washington, Washington no. to, to New York. Albany. Yeah. So if you could, you know, uh, have a couple of minutes of 16-year-old Tony on the many flights to Albany, what would you say to him? Hmm. Do I get one thing or do I get three? It's never in between. Go for three. Go for three. I think I think the first is just be kind to people, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I know it's cliche and I know folks say, oh, be kind. You don't know the battles folks are facing, but mm-hmm. I think be kind of people. I think secondly, I would say listen more as well. And I know I'm stealing voice thing here just because it's fresh in my mind, but okay. listen. Listen more. My my first boss used to say, I said, Tony, when you're when you're talking, you're not learning anything. So I would I would listen more. So I'd be kind, I'd listen more. But the third thing that absolutely I wish I'd known to do more in recent years and, and definitely um throughout my life and I've made a made a promise to myself to to do going forward is to trust trust my gut. Mm. Yeah, I I think that there's been a couple of times where I haven't I've I've neglected it and I've 
told at the camp down or no, mm. that's not true or that's that's not the reality. But it's it, it is true and it's been it's been developed. I mean you could argue it's been developed way right past before years. my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And yeah. I think it, it, t- it tells us it tells us a story and it tells us some form of truth and we have to we have to trust it. Mm. So yeah, trust my gut. Powerful mate. Sneak one in. What's the kindest thing someone's ever done for you? Oh wow. I'm so fortunate to have so many. It's again, uh, there's so many things that come to mind. You know, even in recent times of that quiz, like different things happening, like they surprise me. Um, that community. So during that quiz at Christmas, uh, that community went behind my back. Oh, set up, set up a private Facebook group without oh. me involved. Chipped in several hundreds of pounds as a group and bought me a mini fridge for my. <laughs> Um, from my office so I could access the beer <laughs> during, the, during the quiz <laughs> artwork from John Robinson from Boundary um, a coffee machine and it just it knocked my socks off um, but the th- I think the thing that that has that really stuck with me that I remember going wow this is this is something special when I moved to northern Sweden I lived in Umeå and I turned what year was that? I think I was turning 22 maybe it was my birthday and you know, I'd been away from home then for a significant period of time. It was dark, it was certainly lonely mm-hmm. at times, especially in, 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 in Sweden because I was coaching. So you, you also can't really be friends with the folks you're coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you can be friendly, but you, I don't think you can be yeah. good friends. So um, I remember I had uh, I had a summer camp or I had a camp booked. I was supposed to coach. And it was on my birthday. And... My assistant coach, Chris, and I went out for a beer the night before, just talked about the team. It was yeah. my birthday. It was kind of, that was the birthday thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was, you know, I was in, you know, I had no family really mm-hmm. and some new friends. And um, in the morning, in the morning of my birthday, I was feeling a little bit light because uh, I was a little bit ropey because I had a few beers the <laughs> night before. My, my door knocks and it's like 9 a.m. And I'm thinking, gosh, I don't have to get up till 10 because then I'm coaching yeah. camp. Yeah. And... It was my assistant coach for my uh, under-19 girls team, uh, Jenny, and she was there with one of my players, and I was in my PJs, <laughs> always in my PJs. And she, they knocked the door, come in with a camera, and um, they're like, Tony, happy birthday, wake up. And I'm like, like what are you doing? Get out like, of my go face. Away, go away. And it's all, oh, sorry, hitting the mic here. Uh, so I'm hitting, the, I'm hitting the camera, and I'm like, go away, leave me alone. And, uh, but they surprised me that day. They got me off coaching. So they got me a day off work, basically. Wow. And the whole team took me on this day of things that I hadn't yet got to do in Sweden because I'd been working. Legends. So I went skiing. <laughs> so they took me skiing. I'd never done skiing before that. I'd just been working yeah, and, yeah, yeah. On, on, on the club. Yeah. I, had n- I never really kind of spent the time to kind of do stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. They took me to the ice hockey arena <sighs> where, the, where the, the pro team played. And they suited me up in all the gear. I got to go in the locker room. <laughs> and the guy took me out who played and he was banging me against the thing. Class. I was like learning to learning to hit the the <laughs> hit the pucks and whatever else. They made me do all these challenges because I would set them goals as a team and mark their progress around um, around shots made and stuff. Because yeah. like Dave Hopla would say, got, <laughs> you know, he tracks every shot he ever takes. Wow. Every shot. So he has a notebook with all his shots. So I would do it. So they took me around the city and, and made me do all these different things to try and... Uh, <laughs> just to have a bit of fun. But I remember yeah. going, that was incredibly, oh, incredibly thoughtful. And the reason that it was probably one of the kindest things, I hadn't seen my family in a while and 
my um I went then I thought the whole thing was over. We went into the sports bar and then all of the people I knew in in, in this town, probably honestly about 30 people, like mm. teams and coaches and friends were all sitting there in all these big tables and I walked in and thought, God, I'm home in a place wow. that that's only been my home for a little bit of time and they've yeah. made such an effort. There's this huge box up at the front and they, they lifted it up and my sister popped out. No way. So they'd flown my sister out um, as a surprise. So I was just, it was very, very, um, very kind, very wonderful. Wow. I don't really know what else to say other than, uh, mate, this has been unbelievable. Thank you so much. Thank and, you. And uh, it's been awesome to sit down in this sacred space the sacred sp podcast and space and learn a bit more about you so thanks for coming and thanks for everything you shared yeah thanks for having me man